Hello, everybody, and welcome to Downstage, the podcast of the San Diego Theater Critics Circle. Happy holidays. I'm David Cotton. Happy holidays. I'm Alejandra Enciso Dardashti. We missed you last episode. <laughs> Technical difficulties, folks. You know, part of the part of the joy. Of part doing of the joy, stuff. right? It's not my theater, so. <laughs> How did you ever manage without me, Alejandra? Mm-hmm. It was tough. It was tough. That's why I had to acknowledge it, like right now. <laughs> It's good to be back. And as a matter of fact, everybody, this is our last downstage episode of 2023. The theater season in San Diego is winding to a close. And even though theater continues to make news, uh, it's nothing probably that can't wait until we join you again in 2024. Oh, I can't believe it. It sounds so heavy to me, 2024. I should... I should make some breathing, do some breathing exercises before, you know, this month that we have left. So it's not, you know, it doesn't feel as heavy. It's like, oh, 2024. Oh. You know, I remember vividly to go down memory lane. The New Year's where we went to 2000. And remember the whole Y2K anxiety about it? I remember. Yeah. That was just a few years ago. It's hard to believe it was almost, this is going to blow your mind. Almost a quarter century ago. Oh, well, if you put it that way, I mean, it's even worse. <laughs> yeah, just like 23 or shy of 24 years ago, which is, no. yeah. Yeah, Not we a, were born in the 1900s, David. Yeah. Like, no one's born in the 1900s anymore. <laughs> yeah. You're making it worse, Alan. <laughs> That's how the kids say it. You were born in the 1900s. Yeah, the kids. Yeah, I, as, as you guys know from listening to the show, I'm a college professor. And I have kids who were born in like uh, 2005, four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That will humble you quickly. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And then there's some, because I also teach and there's some that say, oh, I'm, I'm old. I'm one of the old ones. I was born in 96. I was born in 97. Because yeah, the people that were born in in the year 2000 are turning 24. So it's, you know, they're not, they're not kids, let's say. So it's hard, hard to grasp. (laughs) Well, we uh, we have an interesting show for you, I hope today. Uh, In our first segment, uh, Alejandra and I are going to look back on uh, what has been a I think a stellar year in theater in San Diego and talk about the shows that we enjoyed the most and why. And then after a break, uh, two of our Critic Circle colleagues, E.M. Ryder, who you've met before, and Cassiopeia Guthrie will join us and we'll look ahead to next year and all the exciting things that are coming up with the Theater Critic Circle. So let's start with the top shows of the year, Alejandra. What's the best way to do this? You want to Go through them, each, each of our lists, so to speak, one at a time, or you want to just throw this out? We didn't really plan this in advance. We're winging it like we do most of what we do on this winging show. Winging it. Mm, it's, uh, yeah, we can go one and one, okay. um, but it's just, I have to say, there are so many. There are. So many good shows that we had this year. Um, theater, you know, we were still kind of like mm, because of restrictions and it w- everything that was happening and the comebacks and all that so it was it was tough last year so this year they came back 
you know, full throttle and it shows there's, there's so many. Do That's you want right. to start? Yeah. I, you know, I like to acknowledge ambition in theatrical productions, which is why for me, looking back on all the wonderful productions this year, I have to say that a show that goes way back to the beginning of the year, uh, New Village Arts production of The Ferryman, for me was the uh, most ambitious production of 2023. I mean, the fact you had all of these people on stage, you had a baby, you had animals, yeah. and all side, a very you know ambitious three-act production with dancing and intense drama and some light comedy and music. Um, first of all, it was a towering achievement for New Village. But that aside, it's one show that I will never forget because of what an immersive experience it was for me. And I applaud the New Village people for attempting it and succeeding with it. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. It is. It was an experience, uh, like we have mentioned in episodes past, about you know the two intermissions, the 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 duration of it, and it's like oh my god. And it it was a whole. That was part of the experience too. How people behaved when the intermission was about to begin, coming back, doing the second one. Like it was like meeting breaks or conference breaks. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. And uh, the live animal situation for me, I always say, is it, it, do we really need a live animal? Cause you could hear them backstage or down there where they were at a pit or wherever they had them. But, uh, but yeah, ambition is, is definitely one of the words uh, for this show. And um, what, one that I liked a lot, um, that's why I also love to be in the circle because we have so many opinions, different ones. Also in the beginning of the year in February, because it was a world musical premiere. And I think that that's also, you know, it, it's, it's worthy to, to recognize and mention and, and say, and it was respect at uh, Lamb's Players. And I loved that show because it was women, singers and artists and creatives happening in the 60s and the 70s. So this music was all, almost all of it, not because I didn't know many of them, but um, um, it was spoon fed by my dad to me, you know, so it's something that I enjoyed a lot. I went and I saw it again, took my family and it was a whole thing because it's also, obviously we look at production aspects and and rhythm and all of that, but then it's also the, the impression and the experience that it has for other people. So that, that also adds on. Since we're talking about musicals, um, for me, the most memorable musical of the year was also a world premiere. And I, I got to admit, I didn't go into this with high expectations. Mm -hmm. This was The Outsiders. At oh, my God. Place, um, which was, you know, an interesting book by a woman writer. Mm -hmm. um, and then a so-so movie, especially by Francis Ford Coppola's standards in the 80s. And it didn't, to me, seem like a natural fit for a stage musical. But what La Jolla Playhouse did with it um, was, you know, really wonderful. And this show is Broadway bound, deserves to be. 
um, terrific music by a duo that not a lot of people knew about. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then staging for a show about, you know, young, restless teenagers in Oklahoma uh, that somehow all came together in a way that worked. Like all musicals, it has some bugs to work out. Mm -hmm. But um, I thought it was a, a super effort from the Playhouse. Agreed. And hey, that's, you know, uh, Angelina Jolie's kids came and saw the show and were like, Mom, you need to be one of the producers for the show to go to Broadway. So yeah, incredible. I, I totally agree. And Jamestown Revival, by the way, that's the name of the musicians who wrote the music for it. Mm. Oh, and, yes. And, and, you know, music and, you know, original music and new musicals is always pretty hit and miss yes. uh, from my experience. But they had just the right tone in this show. So I, I wish it well next year, hopefully in New York City. Mm -hmm. And was very, very fitting with the whole Oklahoma angle. Um, the uh, going, you know, away from music a little bit, uh, Birds of North America at Moxie Theater. It was also from the set design to the sound design, because as the title says, birds, it had birds and had the description of birds and bird watching. And it was just so artistic and magical. I... And they, they, the way they worked around the set and how they used the pieces, whether it was for a costume change or, you know, a scene change. And it was just like that. So I really appreciated that show at Moxie Theater. Uh, I thought it was good. Just two actors. It was pretty, pretty nice. It was pretty round. I, I liked it a lot. That's also on my list of best shows of the year. Uh, certainly the best thing Moxie did. Mm -hmm. all year long. And, and what I remember most about it, Alejandra, was the sound, the way you had the feeling that you really were out there among the trees and you could hear the birds and they seemed to be coming from everywhere in that little theater. Um, it was almost a magical experience. I love Mike Sears and Faradinga, both of whom were uh, wonderful in it. And um, I had no experience with the play. I know it was done at UCSD a few years ago. Um, but uh, I truly enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I think we should mention too, when we're talking about ambitious productions, it wasn't a new work, but the fact that Backyard Renaissance staged August Osage County. My God. And that, I'm sorry to say, stinko little theater town <laughs> and managed You love that space. Build this elaborate set and this incredible performance by Deborah Gilmore Smith uh, as the family matriarch. This was a show that, you know, the old globe had last done in San Diego and they have all the resources to do it big. And yet Backyard Renaissance's production to me was equaled what the globe did. It was really um, one of the highlights of the year for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't see the globe one, but I am with you with Backyard. I mean, it was, amazing i was sad that they didn't have any more performances i know that they were like no those were enough because <laughs> it was so intense yeah. but uh it was just majestic i i amazing job with all the cast it's it's hard when all you know members of the cast do a great job this is one of those productions definitely we'll touch on a couple of more one that 
one that I don't know that a lot of people saw this, but um, the New Fortune Theater Company did an adaptation of Ibsen's Enemy of the People called Public Enemy at uh, the church in Point Loma at Westminster uh, Church. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, Richard Baird, who is a superb actor anyway, he was really in his element as Dr. Stockman. Um, this, I actually saw it twice. And I don't go to shows twice a lot, but there you I, go. Enjoyed, yeah. I, I enjoyed it so much. I saw it a second time. How'd you feel about Public Enemy? Same thing. Again, I did not have the experience of watching any production or format, other format of that piece. I loved it. And it was intense and raw. And the church just, it adds to the whole experience that was strange, but a good strange. And um, I agree with you. You know, when you think back on Richard's performance in Public Enemy and Deborah Gilmore Smith's performance in August Osage County, you wonder how they can recoup physically and emotionally when it's over because you're really going so completely out there on stage. It's a brave thing to do and it's got to be a tiring thing to do. Yeah. And there was... On a public enemy, there was a lot of hierography involved. I think that that helped also. Um, but it, it's just that their training shines through. It's like you you see the theater training, and there's like a lot of classical theater training, and that's that's amazing. It's like I don't know. My husband's always said, always says you always praise like you know the new generations. You're like meh, and then the older generations are like oh like you know the old part of the old generation that you are, and I'm like. I don't know. I just see this and it's so like classic and I don't know, traditional. I don't even have the words and it shines through and that's, that's just imposes, you know, let's, let's wind up this discussion, Alejandra, with mm -hmm. a, maybe a couple that uh, kind of maybe slipped through the cracks for some people. One was uh, La Lucha, oh. uh, which, which the playhouse did nice. in, in the museum of contemporary art downtown. You know, I love things like this, the, kind of, you know, totally immersive, wandering around in small groups and unexpected things happening sens sensually mm -hmm. as you're watching. And sometimes you don't even understand it. Uh, but it was really a fun experience for me as a, even if I didn't write about theater, I would have enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, it was Optica Moderna. It was absolutely beautiful scary because some parts were blindfolded so you know the actors would help you walk through like kind of like the maze that they had and that was scary but it was beautiful and it was i think an amazing homage and also educating like towards the mexican culture but really like through lucha libre but it was it had this sync with the masks and you know how you wear a mask in society like it was all so it was it was amazing and it, there was like a drama unfolding also in the in the piece so it was it was beautiful i love that piece too and i think the anxiety inducing part of oh. part of the attraction <laughs> you know you <laughs> didn't know where you were going you're touching strange people it's <laughs> not seeing oh my god yes i'm exciting about that so. That was good because I have a lot of anxiety and I said that was one of the like my bucket list because I was like, okay, check. I did it. I did it. I went through it. <laughs> I came out okay because my anxiety could not. 
but yes. Well, you know, we'll be honoring some of these, perhaps all of these and other shows at the Craig Knoll Awards in a couple of months, which are staged every year by the San Diego Theater Critics Circle. And after we take this short break, we'll come back. We'll be joined by two of our colleagues and we'll talk about the awards and some other fun stuff that's coming up with the Critics Circle in the new year. So stay where you are and come back. We'll be back at you soon. It's time for today's trivia question, and it is. This year marks 40 years and Play a Playhouse has produced live theater on the UCSD campus. Where were productions held initially when La Jolla Playhouse began in 1947? The answer later in the show. And we are back. And how you mentioned in the introduction, David, we have two very special guests. One is coming back from the previous episode. Ladies, welcome, welcome. I will let you introduce yourselves. Uh, I am Erin Marie Ryder, and I write for Talk Theater to Me and Broadway World San Diego. Yay. And I'm Cassiopeia Guthrie, and I write for San Diego Magazine, San Diego Story, and On the Craft. Welcome, welcome. Cassiopeia, thank you for filling in for me last episode when I <laughs> was at in absentia due to technical problems. I, I listened to the show later on, and you were you were did an excellent job. Not a surprise. But thanks again for jumping in. My pleasure, David. It's always fun to come and chat theater. Now, E.M. Erin Marie, yes. one of my favorite, one of my favorite people, by the way. Aww, she, she is the president. She is the president of our organization, San Diego Theater Critics Circle. So, I thought before we look ahead, you know, maybe you would, you yourself would could talk a little bit about some of the. Uh, initiatives and achievements that the group has had in 2023? Yeah, I would love to, especially because I think that um, something that the group really focused on this year was um, all of us working on together how we want to move forward as an organization. And, um, you know, it it's the organization is itself. We just finished our 40th year. Um so this is amazing for us. And so this was a great opportunity for us as an entire group and as the board to kind of say, what do we want to do for the next 40? You know, how do we how do we want to move forward and and be in the community? And um, so we did come up with quite a few um, new things, this podcast being one of them. Um, but we also uh, came up with a reviewers of tomorrow writing contest. And um, we can talk about that in a second. And but we also went to um, schools and summer camps, and we launched a newsletter. And I think that all of this came out of the thing that is our foundation, which is we really worked on updating our our goals as an organization and our bylaws and how do we want to approach everything. And we came up with um, four tenants of those bylaws of like, what are our guiding principles? And I think that that's really how we came up with these and any other future initiatives. Um, and so that is focusing on writing advocacy, um, both our current writing, you know, and 
mentoring people who want to become writers or who are interested in learning the craft of arts and entertainment criticism and critical thinking um, community, because we are a part of the theater community in San Diego and beyond, um, but also really, you know, being a part of it, um, education, and then of course, celebrating excellence, which is our Cragnall Awards. Um, so those were really our guiding tenants. And I think that that was how, what allowed us to come up with such really interesting initiatives like the Re Reviewers of Tomorrow contest, which is uh, for students from grade seven all the way through community college and they could submit reviews on any theater that they watched it could be on youtube it could be on disney plus it could be a school play it could be a professional play we just wanted it to be as accessible as possible um and then they submitted that so those submissions came in in november and the winners for that will be um announced soon and that will kick off again january 1st for 2024 um, and then we also got involved in the Broadway San Diego Journalism Student Reporter Search, which um, actually I will let Cassiopeia talk about because it's a really cool new thing that we got involved in as well. It is. It's such a great initiative. Um, so for that student reporter search, we are actually partnering with the Broadway San Diego Awards to help lead their regional search for the person who might be able to go and represent all of us as the student reporter for the Jimmy Awards. And so um, those students are folks who are going to be on camera, they're going to be doing social media features, they're going to be interviewing the different participants of the Jimmy Awards when those take place. And so this is an opportunity for us to look at, at text through another lens, right? We're looking at, at the opportunity for students to engage in conversation about theater and about theater adjacent topics but through the medium of, of the screen, through a, a digital interview, through a video component. And so it's, it's really powerful. Uh, so we did, we partnered with Broadway San Diego last year to run um, some seminars to help train students on best practices for, um, for broadcast and how they can best portray themselves and develop their application. And we're really looking forward to doing that work again this year. That's and, awesome. and then if uh, for the community, we obviously have this podcast and we have our newsletter where we're encouraging, uh, you know, the discussion and interview and and education of, you know, what's going on in our community with new shows and with roles and, and things like that, um, which we're really proud of. And then um, we're also launching a, a new um a new portion where we're, we're kind of expanding who we're talking to with audiences, um, which actually Cassiopeia has been doing on hers as well, um, which I mean, again, she should, she should talk about because hers. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we just really believe that the community is such an important piece of what we do. And so we really wanna continue to, to foster more dialogue and communication um, because the, the truth is, is that theatrical criticism is not about critique and criticism, actually. What it is, is it's about uh, critical dialogue. How do we talk about theater? How do we engage in this process of having conversations about theater? And our community is really engaging in a communal experience with all of us when we're in these shows. And so one of the things that, um, that I'm working on for On the Craft is a project called The Craft and the Community 
where I'm actually doing video interviews with attendees who have just watched shows and just taking that opportunity to engage with them about what their experience has been, um, how they took in all of the different components of the art and how that has impacted them personally. And so I'm really looking forward to continuing that series in the new year as well, just because it's so important for us to leverage the space that we have to be able to engage our community in these very important conversations. And then under our education tenant, um, I had mentioned, we visited schools, we visited schools from elementary to high school and uh, went in and talked to students about it, just about theater in general, depending on their age, you know, how nuanced we could get in that conversation, um, all the way up to like, what is a theater critic? What do we do? How do we take notes? What is it that we're looking for? Um, and I think that that was, it, first, it was really fun. And um, it's always really fun to go talk to engaged students. A lot of them were theater or art students. So they are people that are, you know, interested in the industry, kind of know what's going on. I think the first couple times I went to high schools, their first question across the board was like, why do critics hate everything we love? And I was like, whoa, 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 <laughs> let's unpack that question. There's a lot in there. Um, so it was, you know, really interesting to be able to talk about what, what do they think of when they think of someone who does what we do and why is what we do important? And when I asked them across the board, who is it that you think of, like visually, when you think of a theater critic, the first person they came up with was um, the critic from Ratatouille, <laughs> the food critic guy. And I was like, okay, cool. I can work with that. <laughs> but, you know, so it was, it was yeah. really, yeah, right. I mean, it wasn't the Muppet guys who were my first thought, but, um, but it is, my you know, love. that was really fun to like work with them and kind of broaden their understanding of, of, arts and opinion writing and, and things like that. And then we also worked with some summer camps over summer. Um, those were some younger kids, but it was really about talking about, you know, showing them something and saying, okay, what just happened here? What did you like? What didn't you like? Because they have all of those opinions. They just may not know how to express it. And in, in that case, that was um, with a, uh, the BIPOC support group, which is a wonderful group. And it was working with kids that were, you know, really interested in the arts, but maybe aren't who the arts are focused on. And so maybe aren't given all those opportunities to see the shows and talk about them. And so that was really, really fun as, as well. And then that takes us to our fourth one, which was celebrating excellence, which is the Craig Knoll Awards. So yeah. <laughs> Which we're going to have a special episode for that once the categories and the nominees are announced. Oh, I can't believe it's just like a month, a month away. Oh, I can't. Didn't we just have the ceremony? Oh, my God. You want to give us, uh, I mean, I, I think we can give our listeners some details. We do have a date for the awards, right? And we have a location for the awards. So maybe, Erin, you could uh, let our listeners know about that. Yeah, uh, so our Craig Knoll Awards will be on February 12th. It will be at the SES Hall, which is where we had it last year. And we're really excited to go back there. It felt like it was a, a really successful location and um, everyone had a lot of fun. And we have all the pictures to, to see all the fun that everyone was having. Um, and so, yeah, this is actually our busiest season because this is where we've, we've got to have some of those... Um, 
voting conversations and planning the you know seating charts and and catering and all of all of the details that go into it it's like planning a giant wedding um every year <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot of moving pieces so if we seem a little frazzled until february 12th please forgive us <laughs> there's, there's a lot going on on the on the back end and as i recall the uh nominations are released to the public on January 1st. Is that right? That is correct. Remember? Yeah. yeah. So I know there are people listening with bated breath <laughs> as to what those will be. We're, we're actually voting on this, what, about a, two weeks, less, less than two weeks from now. We're starting um, to discuss it, yeah, in this month. And I know that there, you know, we still have a couple of shows that haven't opened yet. So obviously everybody will be a part of those nominations and we'll be reviewing all of those shows in advance um, of making our final decisions. But it is really nice for us to be in this season where we're really having discussions about what we've seen over the course of the year, right? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, it's good for people to know that we put a lot of time and effort into these nominations. They're not made hastily. Um, and you, you heard in the first part of our show Alejandra and I praising certain productions. That, that's only the tip of the iceberg oh, of the many, many, many things we saw and liked uh, this year for, for different reasons. And we have reasoned and critical and lively, believe me, discussions <laughs> among our members. Emphasis uh, in li lively. Yeah. <laughs> even discussion about this and I've been doing this a long time, and I know that you know nine times out of ten, there's always one production or one performance, or there's one behind-the-scenes contribution that you know somehow gets left out, and it's it's terrible when we feel that way. But most of the time, I think we get it right, and I'm looking forward to uh, discussing it in a couple of weeks myself. And more important, to sharing and honoring the individuals who've helped make this such a great and memorable theater year in San Diego. Yeah, it's a year long conversation for sure. And we go back and it's a month by month, but then we go back and then week by week, but then we go back and mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot. So yeah, we, we're spiraling. We really, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We do the work for each show and each person that's involved in that show. And then we have the conversation with the members and then yeah, we go back and forth and we're like, no, but yes, but no, but yes, but okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's a whole, you know, year's worth of work. And we all are very different the way that we approach mm -hmm. theater and the way that we experience the things, even though we might be sitting next to each other watching the same show we're experiencing it very differently. And I think that that is really reflected in how we talk about and and debate these shows. Um, and I think that that's the great thing about having our, our group um, and growing it and trying to, you know, work with people in it. Because I think that by by having these conversations and, and talking to other people about what it is that we do, it kind of reminds us of all the things that we do that we look at that strike us because the, it, if I could write a nine page thesis on every play on like that lighting <laughs> change and the way that that person turned a quarter of a, I would, but that's not how reviews work. No one would read it. So um, 
I mean, there's a lot that we we all individually notice and we go over all of it. <laughs> you know, what's so interesting to me about this is this idea of of what theater does in terms of raising compelling questions. And and I know, Erin Marie, you mentioned the the fact that education is one of our primary tenets, one of our our four core purposes. Um, so I think it's worth mentioning that we actually have some professional educators in our group, right? And and actually, multiple in this call. Um, and so there are many of us who who are involved in education at a variety of different levels. Um, but one of the things that we know is that it is important to raise compelling questions, which are questions that are are challenging, that engage people in dialogue, and oftentimes to which there is no one answer, right? And so we have these conversations about how that. That is how we support building critical literacy. That is how we support people understanding how to engage with the evidence that's in front of them and make claims based on that evidence. And, and all of that is very subjective. It's about how we, how we internalize the content that we're being presented with. And so that happens exactly the same way in theater spaces. And so to your point, oftentimes we're not necessarily going to be looking at the same different lenses for a production. And that doesn't mean any of those lenses are less valid it just means that we are different. And that is the best thing about theater is this is it creates a common experience for all of us to come and enjoy and, and engage in together. And it helps us really to understand, again, it's like a microcosm of the world, right? Like it helps us to really understand better the world in which uh, our productions are situated and the world in which we are all navigating together. And I think um, in that way, it helps us all build empathy and be able to you know, engage as a community more powerfully. Yeah, and I think that what you said about more than one answer, absolutely. And if there is, that's okay. There's no absolute, you know, like, I don't know. That's the wonder of, of art in general. So it's okay to have different ways and approaches to one thing. Erin Marie, as we wrap up here, today, I, as president of the Critics Circle, I want to have you just spend a minute or two talking about what you hope for the circle um, and for the people who uh, support us in 2024. Where do you want to see the Critics Circle going? I know you've talked about some of these initiatives, but maybe in a more general sense or a thematic sense, where do you want to see us headed next year? Yeah. Um, I think that the the great thing about what working in the circle part of the board, which three of us are of the board are here, <laughs> which is actually a quorum. We could have a meeting right now. Um, <laughs> is, <laughs> is, um, is that we have a really um, diverse and strong point of view from everybody in the group about what it is that is important to us and how we want to engage with theater and the community and, and all of that. And I think that we worked really hard this year to build a very solid foundation for the organization with the way that we reapproach the organization and our mission and our goals and creating these initiatives. Um, like the writing contests and getting involved more in the schools. And so next year, I would really like us to use the foundation we built this year to really use that as a launching pad um, and really dig deeper into these initiatives that we've launched this year and just, you know, kind of really firmly establish them. Um, the first year of anything is always hard. So I think, you know, next year 
we'll have winners for the writing contest. We'll have people that have applied to all of these things. And so that, that will only help and help us also figure out what worked, what didn't, and, you know, how can we grow that way? And I think that more community uh, communications and involvement in the way that we're doing the newsletter and the, the, the audience um, interactions and, um, you know, potentially some other other creative things that we haven't really thought out yet, <laughs> but we have like the little idea right now. Um, but I think it's just really important to us to know that we are we are part of the theater community, but we are an active and engaged and um, really well, well, blah, sorry, that is not <laughs> that is not articulate, but we are we are active, we are involved and we are we're trying our best to to be someone that is challenging the community to think about what they're doing, how they're doing it, how, what we're doing and how we're doing it and how we can work better together to move forward. I just want to say on a personal note, how much I have enjoyed working with Alejandra this year. On the She's we've, the gotten, we've gotten to know each other a lot better, you know, because of this. And uh, we've had a lot of fun doing this. And I, I'm really excited about us doing it again next year. And we, I'm sure we both have ideas, as I'm sure you ladies do, for uh, growing the podcast, growing our audience, growing our production. I also want to thank uh, John Ewell, John Wesley Ewell, who is our producer, who's been working with this show from the very beginning and has made it as slick and beautiful and artful as it has been. And uh, also thank you too for making you know, multiple appearances on the show and adding to our dialogue and um, making it so thought provoking. Mm -hmm. I'm tossing this to you, Alejandra. Yeah, I mean, I, I was looking for a tissue when these ladies were talking. I'm like, where's the tissue? Because I, <laughs> I got a little bit emotional with everything. But um, yes, um, I second that. I, I It's been a lot of fun. It, it's been a titanic effort uh, to do these episodes. And I'm very happy that we get to, that David gets to interview me <laughs> every other week and discuss, you know, what's happening in San Diego and beyond. And Erin uh, Marie and Cassiopeia always, you know, checking that we're okay, that everything is okay. And just being board members and authorities like they are, uh, which I love. And it's just a, a team effort. And David was my mentor when I came in the circle. So that's really cool too. And I always think of myself as a reporter first. I've always been, that's that's who I am. And, and this gives me the opportunity to to work, continue working on that. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy and I'm happy with everything that we're doing, awards, kids, youth, community, everything. Um, and I love me, you know, a good company philosophy <laughs> and, you know, follow values and bylaws and everything that we're doing. So that just makes me salivate. And, and I love that. That's the corporate in me. So also a quick shout out to all of the guests who've joined us this mm -hmm. year, theater community who have enriched this podcast tremendously. We're very grateful. We look forward to more of you uh, joining us on Downstage in 2024. And I wish everybody out there happy holidays and happy theater. 
and we will be talking with you very soon. Uh, again, thank you, Erin Marie Ryder, Cassiopeia Guthrie, for being with us today again. Thank Alejandra, you. love you. Thank love you. you. We'll, I'll see you soon somewhere at the theater, if not back here in the podcast room. In the waves. In the waves. So that's it for, for Downstage for 2023. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Have safe and happy holidays. And we'll see you in 2021. Here is the answer to today's trivia question, which is where La Jolla Playhouse produced theater prior to being on UCSD campus. For 12 years, until the theater went on hiatus, La Jolla Playhouse productions were staged at La Jolla High School. Downstage is a production of the San Diego Theater Critics Circle. Your co-hosts, David Cotton and Alejandra Enciso Dardashti.